to Black Women Are Scary, the podcast that celebrates people of color writing in horror. Our guest today is Monica Estrella Negra, editor-in-chief of Cinespeak, founder of Audrey's Revenge Productions, and curator of all things radical in media. Our featured flash fiction is by Monica and myself, as we try our hand at writing steampunk stories in honor of this month's episode. So let's lean in and listen to some new scary stories. I miss telephone cords too, like the little like squiggly cord. Oh yeah, because you could like wrap it around your finger. Yeah, yeah. It's like very like, yeah, it's like, I don't know. I feel like I, like those physical aesthetics like make it even more nostalgic. Yeah. 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 It it well it ties this physicality to it and you know obviously like, there's like a muscle memory like I remember how that felt to do that. I remember those phones that were like see-through and you could see inside of them and it was cool to like see the machinery inside. Oh. I remember the poetry of just an answering machine like listening to a voice message out loud like that like that was the way one listened to voice messages it was like a theater it was a theatrical moment of like you know play this thing and it has to like echo throughout the living room or whatever it is oh yeah um, or even just the act of slamming down the phone <sighs> this is why i miss those little like foldable foldy phones remember those like, you, the flip like phones? yes where you could like snap it shut yes for emphasis. A lot of things were said with the slapping of the phones. That was a whole sentence. It was. <laughs> that was a whole sentence. That's a whole mood right there. And it's gone. You can't do that with the touch screen. What do you do? Like throw it on the pillow? Like it's so. Ugh. Yeah, but like you don't even, like you can't even feel it. The other person on the other line can't even feel it because you're just pressing a button. And even yeah. if you do throw it down, like you're going to break your phone and it's just pointless. So. Yeah. Maybe I'll get a landline. Maybe I'll get a landline. Right. I don't, I don't even know how it works anymore. I was like, can I even plug this? It's like this mysterious thing now. I was like, if I plug this into this, will something happen? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I don't even know if like many like apartments or whatever have connections for. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like something that they actually build into it. I don't think so. I mean, they have the the things for Wi-Fi now. Like that's. Right but not like dial in, which kind of leaves a lot of people out in my opinion, but hmm. technology, How you doing? innovation. Yeah, as we um, all get hardwired into the, connected into the matrix. Right, um, I'm okay. Um, it's uh, a little gloomy feeling here mm. in Minneapolis right now because oh, yeah? Amir Locke was murdered by the police like two nights ago for like a no-knock warrant so like it's just like the energy is not good um but for the most part I'm just trying to stay as grounded as possible um and yeah mm. it's like history month like we should be celebrating and doing joyous things but as American history goes can't have joy without a little side of trauma on the <laughs> it's like do you want trauma with that and we were like no and they're like it, it just comes with a meal I'm it sorry just, yeah, it, just, it, just it is comes. what it is you're gonna get yeah. a side of it and you're like exactly. I don't 
I didn't order that though. And they're like, yeah, so we're going to give you like three bowls and I don't, but I don't, it just comes with a meal. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So yeah, just trying to, you know, maintain like whatever equilibrium that I possibly can. But right now, um, uh, mm. well, actually tonight or yeah, tonight in Berlin, my fourth, uh, horror short is yes at final girls berlin yes so bitten right yes bitten a tragedy mm -hmm. um it's been like four years in the making because i'm a poor filmmaker but yeah. it happens and i'm super excited this is its second um film festival premiere and it's also its european premiere so um congratulations thank you i'm eternally grateful to the final girls berlin crew for appreciating my vision and my stories and things of that nature so yeah all exciting stuff um and it's yeah. virtual right so people can just sort of tune in it or you can like get a ticket and just stream it yeah, so from my understanding, you can get a ticket and um, the shorts block is available on Vimeo. Mm -hmm. And I think it's available until the end of the festival. So um, yeah, if you go to findmarlin.com, right, you can go ahead and check it out. Um, I'm not going to release it for like at least another couple of weeks because I want to submit to film festivals. Yeah. But probably like maybe in the summer, I'll make it like widely available. Yeah, exciting. And it is a vampire movie. It's yeah, right? it's, it's 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 a twist on the vampiric lore. Um just nice. because you know there's like so many different types of vampires and I feel like it's one of those like vampires are one of those like uh mythical creatures where you can literally put any spin on it. Um yeah. Stay like loyal to like whatever its mechanisms are, um, but in this case, uh, yes, the story follows Lydia, and she's like a quote unquote vampire, and she is um, lured by this deity to exact revenge against those um, who have done harm in the past, and it's literally just about like um, the hypocrisies of um, many white people in radical spaces who, you know, may have been around like blatant racism but like haven't done the internal work mm -hmm. to actually eradicate it and it turns into uh weird microaggressions yeah against people of color right so it's more so about like ancestral lineage and like how you know the work is not necessarily on black folks to do that for you but really you have to look within and do that ancestral work in order to like clear your own and it's a short so you managed to do this in <laughs> Do this in 19 minutes and 20 okay <laughs> <laughs> so it's dense people this is gonna be a dense 19 minutes of your life <laughs> yeah. and it's it's practically it's it's just like my uh a lot of my film so the film is actually a part of this anthology that i've been making called the vengeance anthology and mm. um, my first movie flesh which is about a black femme uh serial killer in chicago nice, nice. Um, it's just about like black black female queer protagonists like taking the narrative back and exacting revenge um because you know audrey's revenge is my production company and that uh -huh. is based off of audrey lord ah um, okay 
So, um, yeah, so it's mostly like a series that follows like black women that are in subcultural spaces and the experiences that they have, but with a horror twist and mm -hmm. most notably like the, the main like theme is revenge against yeah. like things because, you know, in many cases, uh, when you are a black queer woman in subcultural spaces, like, I, I mean, I've been a member of the punk and goth scene, like, for a really long time. So mm -hmm. this is, like, a, a pretty much, like, a narration of everything that I had to deal with. But, like, I really got no justice because I didn't really have anybody in my corner to understand what was actually going on. Right, um, right. Like, all the little racist, like, microaggressions. Or yeah rendered invisible or just people like not staying in their lane basically so yeah yeah um, yeah just the plight of being the only one in the room exactly and uh so each of the each of the uh movies like just like are a little remnant of like my history like in those respective scenes so both uh bitten is like a continuation of that anthology mm. Um, mm. and so exciting like uh, flesh took place in the punk scene and bitten takes place in more so like the queer rave like scene um, okay in philadelphia so nice. and then um, do you already know what the third one is since this is a trilogy um i'm not at liberty to say <laughs> mm. i mean there is um i mean they will, it over. they will know you by your fruit which is another short um that i made in montreal with valerie ba in 2017 is also a part of the vengeance anthology but it doesn't necessarily take place in the subcultural space mm. but it does to black women's uh trauma with colonization reproductive issues and whatnot. yeah um so that's also a part of it. Um, but as far as the next installment, I did just finish a screenplay. So that will be in development really soon. But I'm going to stay mum on it so I can keep building energy towards it. Okay. All right. Well, we'll be on the lookout for it. I feel like this is all like talking about revenge and Black queer women is a really good segue into this story by Val Jane Jeffers, right? Outcast deals with a lot of those same themes of of revenge or of justice really i mean i don't think i've really gotten had the privilege of taking of reading steam funk one i had to be like what is it tell me what that is and then also like reading anything that was set in the haitian revolution right yeah like that was like and that wasn't about the french <laughs> That wasn't about the French, but also just like the seamless like integration of like Haitian like uh, spiritual practice is yeah. admirable. Um, just because uh, I feel like any type of traditional African spiritual practice has right. always been demonized yeah. like, within yeah. literature and cinema. So, um, and I mean, like it's truest roots. Like it played a very like serious part in the Haitian Revolution. Um, as far as like. Uh, committing oneself to like ancestral like vengeance you know what I yeah mean? yeah uh connecting back to like where you came from and like that whole like lineage that came from like west africa like that yeah it's just like you know even though colonization and the transatlantic slave trade tried to disrupt like this group of people from like actually liberating mm -hmm. harken back and ask for strength from like their deities and like their culture and that's just like very 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 powerful yes all of the songs and all of the like all the mm -hmm. way that the way that ritual and song is also a, a part of fighting and standing up for yourself and this just the whole logic 
of it, the truth of that story, which is that all of that gives you power and ensures success, ensures your triumph. And, you know, Haiti was, did become an independent, I mean, I, they've been targeted ever since. Um, and I, in my opinion, punished because they were successful. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's interesting to read this and know that like, cause we're standing in, in the timeline, you know, where we're standing, we're standing when we're standing. Um, I'm just thinking about that, about like, this is, they did this and it worked and, you know, what have been the consequences of that. But for like the point of this, in the, in the world of this story though, like none of that happens. It's like, that's like the backdrop to this love story between these two. <laughs> that's not even like the story, um, which is what struck me so hard where I was like, man, that could just be it. But that's not even what Valjean is like. No, nah, it's really about her and, you know, this woman she loves and people not accept. It's really about, you know, this internal, the internal dynamics um, of the community, of the fighters and not in the war is just kind of like the landscape. <laughs> Right, because I feel like um, there's been like so much emphasis on just like like the destruction of like this community and not so much an introspective eye into like how they actually thrived and loved each other and the relationships that were built like within it. And yeah, I think that that's also just a very like imperative thing to think about uh, when it comes to like any cinema that is, you know, quote unquote, black cinema. Yeah. And I think about like, especially during Black History Month, I, th- I thought of there was like a Twitter feed when it was just like, you know, a lot of streaming services are saying like celebrating black history and they're all movies about like slavery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, it's really like, let's, uh, let's celebrate a uh, trauma porn. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's like celebrate black trauma porn. Um, because you know, it's like no awareness. There's no joy. <laughs> um, and it, it is about, you know, folks I think outside of the African diaspora leaning into like feelings of guilt or shame or something and not necessarily mm-hmm. like an inch and a genuine interest in black filmmakers <laughs> and just like the complexity of like the characters that are supposed to be the focal point of the movie like yes we know that like slavery was a thing but can we get a bit more like into like what these communities did in order to preserve like their own sense of heritage their own sense of trans- culture uh the foods they ate the songs that they sang uh the clothing that they like salvaged from the scraps that they had like I feel like Valjean did a really good job in the descriptions Mm. of like what this community was actually like like even to like the hair yeah like it like she painted like such a wonderful tapestry of like what this community looked like right Um, just like the sights and sounds and smells or like uh, when Ursula like you know uh, came down on her and like the honey like pouring all over her body or like the breeze like going over her skin like yeah yeah such descriptive brilliance yeah yeah even I do love I do love anything that um, takes a non-Christian lens at possession and so I do love the way possession worked in this ah. like you like what you were saying about like Rizzoli comes down her and just like it just like this wave of like like you said honey and joy and good things it was a good thing because most other cultures outside of you know the church possession plays a very different role in spirituality and it's not inherently negative it's not inherently demonic um and so I love that part of that that's also part of and that was part of the preparation like 
to do that. And it was, and it's an honor. <laughs> like when it happens, she's like, ah, ah. <laughs> it's like yeah. this wonderful, beautiful thing. Um, and then juxtaposed against just like her and her, her girlfriend sneaking off. I also really love the ones with the moments where they're just like getting up and they're in the village and they have to like go to the thing and get water. And it's like kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. But it's very important and it's very sweet because like there's beauty and even in the most mundane tasks that we actually do all in the midst of like a crisis and like a war, like paying attention to like these moments where we can actually love and connect with each other. Yeah. I think that that's really beautiful. But going back into possession, you know what I actually thought of? Have you ever seen the movie Abby? No. What is that? Abby is a 1970s black exploitation film of starring mm. Carol who just recently passed away um but she plays um a, a black a black woman who is married to a pastor and she is possessed by this so-called deity papa legba oh yeah papa legba that's no joke um literally like it's kind of like it's been dubbed the black exorcist and because of that reason it was actually uh sued like the the person who made it was sued by Warner Brothers because they accused them of plagiarism from the original Exorcist. So the movie kind of just faded away from memory because it caught so much like legal like battles or whatever. Hmm. But um, so the whole idea of like Papa Legba and like these like African deities are demonized, and it actually takes like a a, a professor who had who had studied like in Africa or whatever. They don't really describe the country. Yeah, uh, just the Africa, the, the the vague. <laughs> yeah, they, like try to bring her back, but like the whole like issue of her possession is her lack of respectability because she's the preacher's wife, right? So like she becomes promiscuous she likes to go to like jazz clubs and smoke weed she like starts cursing in church when he's giving like a sermon and like before she was just like this quiet timid like housewife like in detroit and very subservient but then mm -hmm. papa legba takes over her and then she just like starts to transform into like this promiscuous woman that drinks and smokes and she kills an old white lady and it's just like oh my god it's like insanity but yeah just like that whole idea of like like taking a you know a deity from traditional african spiritual practice and like saying that is the cause of like this woman's wretchedness is yeah like the opposite of what valjean like wrote like it's being like yeah being mounted by like a sacred deity is actually like a very it's an honor thing. and it is an honor like that doesn't happen like every like you know circle like you know if you get mounted that means that it was for a specific purpose and you yeah have to listen to that deity of what they're trying to tell you yeah um, also it was you know she was like you said excited for Anzuli. um and I got the impression that she was an initiate. And so that's another, I don't, I know it works this way mm. in, in Santeria, where yeah. it's not just like anybody, like it, you are, you kind of belong to or mm -hmm. are connected to different deities. Um, yeah, so it's not just like, yeah, who kind of like rule you. And then I, I'm not sure if this is the same in Buru, but I, but usually have a guide so there it's not like you can just do it willy-nilly and that's the other thing like yeah it's like it's sacred it's a practice there's a guide because uh if you open yourself up like that anybody can come so you have to be vigilant about that like this is a discipline and so I did enjoy 
as well that there was again like ritual like there were steps that they need to take before this happened yeah um that it isn't just like as you were saying in this movie like it just found her and then like ruined her life <laughs> that's literally how it happened like they like, were that's like, not how it works so and he broke a vase or something. Oh my God. And then, and then Papa Legba jumped out of the vase. Traveled over to like Detroit. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is not how this happened. This is not how this works. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it's a sequence that happens where you have to pay homage to like, you know. Yeah. Or in Santeria or Palo Mayombe, you have to pay homage to like Elegua. And yeah. Yeah. Gates and then yeah there's a whole like process sequence but like nope abby they were just like yep africa demon out Uh, (laughs) up a base now she's going to the jazz club (laughs) i was just like okay (laughs) yeah that that uh, i have so many feelings about that Um, (laughs) (laughs) you should definitely watch it because i love it just because i (laughs) love black women who just like are like to hell with respectability politics and do yeah and it was just like yeah it's it's a hoot that's all I'm gonna say about it but yeah yeah but but it also just shows like why um voyeurism doesn't work when it comes to creativity and Mm. authenticity is also key when it comes to telling diasporic stories um, and you can tell the difference in how Valjean like approached the story and just like making sure that we felt like, you know, that this was uh, a very genuine experience and it is like rooted in some reality that is outside of like what the colonizer has told us has happened. Because mm-hmm. when you look at history and like whatever, it's just like, oh, it's a bunch of savage black people that wanted their freedom because they didn't want to yeah. work anymore. Like that's basically right. Yeah. But, like they're like, our history, like, like, it's the same with, like, uh, enslaved Africans here, like, people just think that, like, they just came here because that's what they were meant to do, were to be, like, slaves, and it's just, like, no, these people come from very complex, like, cultural places where they had their own language, their own civilization, like, they were doctors, they were, et cetera, et cetera, like, like, they knew things, and they had sense, you know what I mean, and not, like, these two-dimensional yeah that exist well you know the kind of like taking out the nuance um makes it a little more i don't want to say palatable is really the word but in in some it kind of rounds smooths out the edges because when you get into the minutiae of how human trafficking works which is what we're talking about right people don't ever say like human trafficking because they're like well that sounds bad it's like yeah no that's what we're saying um people you know you have to get into it like as a business, like just follow the money. So it's like somebody is paid to go to another continent to seek people out, to drag them. They have to drag them to this port. Mm-hmm. And so right there, it's like, does everybody want to go? No. So what do they do with people that don't want to go? Like once you start getting into the weeds of like, this is like, it took tenacity to, to do this, to leave some people behind who were fighting, who were pushing back too much and leave them to animals because it's like, I can't drag them all the way to this port. Then you, then they get to the port and you have to be seasoned. And there's like a manual, like if you go to the um, Burkle estate in Memphis, which is a house that was part of the underground railroad, they actually had like manuals that were given out to people called how to make a slave. Mm -hmm. So it, I couldn't even get past the first line of this manual, but like, this is a informational (laughs) information that was provided for colonizers. So you understand that like, this is a process. 
Right. Then you have to be seasoned. That is a different, that's forms of torture. Then you get on the boat. Then this is what happens on the boat. Then there's other, you know, like take it step at a time, like get into the, like, it's somebody's job to sell the people on the auction block. They're getting paid for that. Their children will eat because they sold other babies. That was a thing someone had to do. And they had to do the mental gymnastics to get up every day and say like, well, my family won't eat. So I'm going to sell these people's babies. I'm going to sell this human being. Mm-hmm. What, what, what is the process? Like what we've all had crappy jobs. So this is your crappy job. Like imagine, <laughs> like, like, like imagine it, like, how do you get up every day and do it? You know, this, so the blanket, you know, the kind of smoothing over either it kind of dehumanizes, I think both sides in some way where it's like, you don't have to get into the like mental gymnastics and the trauma of being the aggressor in that. And you also don't have to get into the trauma of being the oppressed, the aggressed in that. Like you, we just kind of like, like wash, do like a soft lens over all of it. And I'm like, but if you really think about like somebody's job was to dig the hole for the pregnant woman to lay down in so they could whip her while she begged for her life and the life of her child. And that was like your day. That was like Tuesday morning for you. Mm-hmm. Like, let's think about what that's done to everybody. Yeah, no one, nobody wants to have this. Like, you know, many people are like, no, 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 no. It's, it's, they like the big, like, like you were saying with the Black History Month, you know, I, my, I don't really like those movies because I'm just like, I don't want to see this. I've read things. I, I just don't want to see it. But maybe part of the reason I don't want to see it is because they don't get into the weeds. No, it's it that would be way too complicated in order to sell to the mass public. I haven't seen any I like I've never seen 12 Years a Slave. I've never seen yeah, I haven't seen any of those fucking movies. Oh you can it's fine, you can curse. Okay, yeah, I've never seen any of those fucking movies. I saw 12 Um, Years a Slave and they kind of get into the like normalization of violence, but I just don't know if I just was also just like uh That was the last slave movie I watched. After that movie, I was like, I'm not watching any more of these. I appreciate people making them. And I I want you to get all the awards, but, or, you know, I want you to get, I want you to work, but like, I don't want to watch it. (laughs) I just don't care. I'm like, I just can't do it. Um, When is Black Future Month, really? Exactly. Exactly. When is Black Future Month? That's really more. Uh, let's look towards the future because we can't keep rehashing the past yeah like it's super important to keep our history alive but when it's just like when these are the only films that can break through uh to win awards or get distribution or whatever else yeah I just have serious question marks because I feel like it is not up to us to continuously like educate white people on like their complicity in our history because like honestly slavery is white people's history that's what they did like it's not just ours <laughs> like yeah, yeah. There are two, it takes two to tango here uh so you know and it's not even just as black and white as that there were also yeah. black folks that were complicit in that and yeah talk about the fact that like there were wealthy africans that sold their own into slavery <sighs> yeah right again this is getting into the weeds the weeds into the weeds getting into getting into the like that's like pulling at the stitches so on that line I I do feel like let's talk about the queerness in this story because this is this is where 
I love, like you have this love and this appreciation and all the things that we're talking about where you're getting into like the life and these are well-rounded people, including having their own prejudices, including like her getting caught and her mother and her like being sent to jail, <laughs> like this weird hanging cell. I don't like, that was how it seemed in my imagination. Like she's in a cell that's like hanging in this like cliff area. And then, you know, her girlfriend is sent like to the other side of the island. And I'm just like, and then it really becomes about that. Like the revolution like falls into the background. And it's about this like thing that's going on with the family and the way people feel about queerness. Yeah. And I think it's super important to think about like how the effects of colonialism legitimately like removed people from the idea that like queerness was not necessarily the other. So like, yes, like we're fighting this revolution or whatever else, but what revolution are we going to fight for ourselves in order to go back and claim like our identities that mm. existed before Europe even came there? Yeah. Because queerness has always existed. Sure. And it existed in Africa, in, in different cultures. And like at a time, like queerness was not seen as like this vicious other. So what are the implications of like, you know, yes, we're fighting against this very visible enemy, which is like the French or whatever. But mm -hmm. what of like their social ills that have like conditioned us and conditioned the generations that were born under slavery and how it shaped their attitudes towards people that were not uh, heterosexual, like, quote unquote, Catholic, whatever, you know? Yeah, what I mean? yeah. So like, yeah, like, even though there was like this survival of like, you know, practicing voodoo and underneath the guise of like Catholicism, to what end does like any of like the sociological norms of like French culture and their attitudes towards queerness and what was inherently like a part of our community, of that culture, specifically, uh, was forced out because like mm. there was no way to actually exercise that does that make sense like, yeah yeah so like yes we're fighting like this physical war in order to get our island back but how do we reclaim ourselves and who we used to be right right and this that's I feel like the theme the driving force in the story right mm -hmm. it's a reclamation of self Mm -hmm. I mean, there's all this magic, you know, and then they get in this flying boat. I love this mo. I love the like that there's it's it's it's, it's a steampunk story still, you know, and so there's all this gadgetry and like things going on. And then they kind of, you know, they I feel like they go through this veil and they're like in this alternate timeline. At the, you know, towards the end yeah. there where it's like where it's like none of that ever happened. What would we and, and so it's that it's like, what would we look like if it just didn't happened to us if we just didn't do that if we didn't internalize that or if we let it go or we healed what that's what I feel like at the end it it seems to me that Val Jean is saying is like what if we were healed enough mm -hmm. what would that look like I'm gonna write that and you're gonna live there with them mm -hmm. in that space and it and was it's powerful <laughs> you know it's, it's like I have mixed feelings about her finding going out, going after her girlfriend. I'm like, I don't know if you should even bother. I didn't know. I didn't know if she should do it. I was like, maybe it's, I felt like it was such I, a, it yeah, was like I, such a like genuine, like golden, like sweet spot that they found that I was like, <gasps> there was a part of me that was like afraid that if she went and found anybody from her, the other timeline, it would like ruin everything. It was, it was interesting. I had to like wrestle with that on my own of like, Ooh, this, I didn't think I was going to feel that way. You know, like that question where he was like, what if you find her and she's fine? 
and just living her life she just yeah. went back to the you know what i mean but isn't that a risk that we all take in love though <laughs> <laughs> that's where i feel like i'm just like you know keep him keep it hope alive uh, <laughs> i mean i'm i i i'm glad that she went like i'm not saying like i yeah. she shouldn't i just remember being like oh i don't know what if she's fine what if we find her and then like that makes this whole thing like fall apart somehow and mm -hmm. this yeah. part of the magic is that y'all can't like i <laughs> just like i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah um and i was surprised that i felt that way oh well yeah i yeah. mean i was all for it i was just like yeah let's see where this actually goes i didn't really have like that moment of hesitancy mm. uh, but i get i see where you're coming from though um because i feel like well no i feel like I, I'm kind of like an optimistic person and even I apply that to even like characters that I read in stories where like I kind of just always want to see the happy ending you know yeah I mean? I can yeah be a bit of a romantic when it comes to that um yeah yeah I mm. but we don't really get like a happy ending we get kind of like an, no. a hopeful ending in this um, yeah which is better than complete tragedy yeah because <laughs> that would have wrecked me honestly yeah um, but going back to what you said about black futures like you know i think that like you know if we did decide to like do this collective healing on like you know all of the things that we've like been struggling with internally mm -hmm. um, that you know that hope would just be like a common a common thing that we could experience because i feel like and even just like in this day and age right now yeah yeah couple days like you know i feel like there's constant like push on like you know doing collective healing and stuff like that but like sometimes you just get really tired and sometimes you just feel really burned out and you're not sure if everything is going to work out for the best yeah and sometimes you really, really want to hope that there is like this magic like entity that could just like wave a wand and like everything will be okay but that doesn't really happen so i think it takes a significant amount of bravery in order to feel that type of hope just because it can be so heart crushing yeah there's so much despair exactly and there's so many reasons to despair oh you know even if you don't have it you're like well all i have to do is like look at the news and i'm sure i'll find a reason to just feel like i want to put stick my head in the oven like oh my it's, <laughs> it's really easy it's really easy to just not get out of bed <laughs> absolutely real which is why everybody should congratulate themselves especially I women, black women congratulate yourselves every fucking day for doing the absolute bare minimum because like yeah is a challenge yeah but that's um you know that conditioning to do to always excel and do the most is really a is a difficult habit to break oh absolutely i even on my days off I'm like, yeah I, sh I should be doing something right now yeah yeah i work i work against it yeah uh, every single minute of my existence of just like you this is enough you are enough you don't are enough don't feel guilty or like feel guilty and rest <laughs> like feel it because it's conditioning like know that that's what it is and that's what you're going to feel and like you were saying um i do think there's, there's something a little insidious about folks okay so and this i feel like ties into the story that care and healing isn't pretty right and this is one thing i love about again valjean's writing is that 
in some ways they heal, but it's not easy and it's not comfortable either necessarily, you know, like they get there and everything's fine, but there's still like lots of lingering questions. She's like, but what about, you know, (laughs) I got to go find this thing. I don't know what the ship, uh, we're going to have to hide it. Like, you know, there's just like so many other things that are just like so many loose ends. There's not like closure and it's like, it's fine, but it's not comfortable, but, and it wasn't easy. And I think, um, again, getting into going back to the whole, like people don't want to get into the weeds. It's like people talk about self-care, but like, remember healing isn't pretty. It's not like a wonderful montage and then you're done. Mm -hmm. And when you get there, it may not necessarily be, it's not also a destination. I think it's like a practice. It's present continuous, right? You're always sort of like doing something to like keep this ball in the air and you may have to leave people behind. And that is really painful because not everybody wants to heal even if they say so right that's real actually um I think that it's also just like a very like buzzwordy thing to do now like Mm -hmm. everybody should be healing uh but it's not just like the matter of buying new shit or (laughs) a mani-pedi is not gonna heal generational trauma (laughs) No shade though, like you should do like whatever makes you feel good. Yeah. Well, sometimes you have to like sit with yourself for a wee bit and figure out what demons yeah. you need to eradicate from yourself. Yeah. Um, sometimes you have to do things that make you uncomfortable. <laughs> right. Like right. that's real. Um, and I don't know. I do see that happening in like these like smaller, more independent spaces of people exploring like okay how would we heal what would I even look like if I were healed right and I do feel in this story you know she's like she's wrestling with that she's ruminating on that that's what this story is kind of like chewing on um what have we internalized how has that hurt many generations how's that broken apart families how do I heal from that what does yeah and what would that even look like and how would I feel if I were there like who would I be like these kinds of questions um I'm all about anybody who's asking that and reading reading their work listening to their work producing their work celebrating their work because I'm you know it's like yeah that's those are the questions people talk about change and transformation and revolution and these kinds of things. And I'm like, yeah, none of it's going to happen if we just, if we're the same though. Yeah. you can't. <laughs> it's not going to work. Like old me ain't going to make it happen. New me is going to have to do it. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And I think honestly, like during the pandemic, like with quarantine and stuff, um, specifically for people that live by themselves, uh, we had nothing to do but sit with ourselves and figure mm. out what was going on. And I think that's why that also compelled like a lot of people to just kind of like fly off the handle. <laughs> Nobody wanted to do the work of being like, oh shit, I'm here alone with my thoughts and there's nothing that could possibly distract me. Um, and think about those types of questions. Cause like, mm. yes, like, that like the system that we live in is not sustainable <laughs> it's at all. falling apart in real time there was something about the 
the love story against the backdrop of like a huge, which I know is a huge upheaval in a nation that felt timeless. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you're just, this is everybody who's just trying to like, I don't fall in love and have like, you know, some sex in a waterfall in the middle of the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's like, you know, and also, like I said, just having like that bravery to just keep moving forward, uh, even though like, it, like you just experienced like a massive amount of trauma, like mm. present and having like your love sent over to like a different- And your place. mama beat you and stuff yeah, like your mama mom. Beat you. Yeah. And like, it's just like, I want to find a good husband for you and like mm. women- women are free to have families now and to have children and it's just like all those familial like pressures of traditionality like traditional heteronormativity um that is just like so much pressure to put on you in the midst of like all of this other shit that's happening yeah and what I loved about that though is that even though the mother was doing this horrible thing I there was a lot of empathy for her that I feel like Val Jean like kind of wove into it of her being like, we used to not be able to do these things because we were property and now we can. Right. And that that's like where it was coming from. And so I couldn't like, just be like, she's a villain. I mean, she's a victim of circumstance, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, she has to be there um, because we weren't born like with these ideals. It was conditioned into us mm. and you do with what you had this is not to say that she didn't have areas to grow in oh yeah no I felt the way I was like she's in a yeah. cage though lady um I don't know about that <laughs> um but I can definitely recognize like that type of empathy because like I even have that empathy towards people that are not like doing hmm. work you know hmm. what I mean um but I can kind of be a bleeding heart sometimes so uh, I mean it's hard you know because hurt people hurt people right so it's like yeah, yeah exactly so she's just like projecting yeah like, all of her traumas like yeah that happens so every day all the time like, like <laughs> every day like um I mean I even have a complicated relationship with my mother you know what I mean mm. so but mm. I still feel empathy for her because like she grew up during a different time like where the only way that you could leave the house was if you got married yeah you know? yeah yeah married or pregnant right yeah, yeah she got married like super young because she just wanted to get out of my grandmother's house you know mm -hmm. so, like I definitely understand where she's coming from but I do not agree with her particular views on like what she wants me to do with my life yeah but I still have this love for her um and understanding of just like the cards that she was dealt and how she dealt with it and how she had to reprogram her brain and I feel like that was the situation in this story as well um but like I said grown-ass person um mm. you have you have free will and you have the chance to reprogram yourself um, or at least even like try to get down to like your daughter's level of where she's coming from um, yeah. and, having, and having her back essentially. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's a little bittersweet because, you know, the answer seemed to be to leave. Yeah. yeah. Like that was what they had to do. And then they kind of go into this magical place and that's dope, but it's like, Again, it's like they couldn't save anybody. I mean, sometimes 
I hate to say it. You can't mm. save everybody. Yeah. You have to save yourself. Yeah. Because you're entitled to that. You are your own person. You have your own path. And sometimes you just got to bounce. And I think that that's just like a firm, uh, like that's just, that's just validation that like, you know, we have to protect ourselves and have boundaries. Yeah. As much as it sucks, but it's just a, a very serious reminder that we are entitled to those boundaries. Mm. Yeah. She did a lot. She did a lot in like 5,000 words. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was a lot Goals. to unpack. <laughs> Goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Jean's like OG though. Like yeah. she's been doing this for a while. So the skills are just like impeccable. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of impeccable skills, or <laughs> at least let's try to flex. Should we read our, our drabbles inspired by? LOL, don't put me up on that pedestal. I don't even know. <laughs> This is us, Valjean, giving it our best. Okay. My damn best. Um, Mine's kind of like a time travel like ish thing. Uh, but like I I feel it's pretty much based on like how I felt during quarantine, essentially. Mm. Okay. I know like uh I think I just briefly touched on that about like sitting with ourselves and stuff like that. It's uh do you want to go first or should I go first? Well, you're the guest, so. <laughs> yeah. I'll go first. All right. Okay. All right. Alicia had fallen asleep in the big comfy chair again. Books and coffee mugs littered the table and floor, Alicia's tabby cat lazily resting on the couch. The television had turned off since being inactive. She hadn't meant to fall asleep, but the day had worn her down. She had already canceled her plans with friends, worried that she wouldn't have enough alone time for herself. She tried not to feel guilty about it, but there was always another time to be social. Besides, it was already dusk and the sun bled red through the window. Grabbing the remote, Alicia decided that she would pass the evening with another television series. Mm. With the press of a button, the familiarity of buzzing sound filled the room. The screen, however, remained blank. Well, she murmured. This would mean that she had to get up from her favorite chair. (laughs) She got up with a strain and walked over to the television set. This wasn't like an old television set from the 80s. It was a flat panel. Slamming down on the top of it wouldn't set it correct, but unplugging and replugging might do the trick. She stared at the screen as she thrust the plug back into the socket. The screen remained blank. Oh, come on, she sighed heavily. (laughs) She looked at the clock on the wall, quarter to five. She could still make the cinema get together with friends, but the thought of leaving her house made her annoyed. Better to just stay in, she thought. She turned back to the television and suddenly gasped aloud. Time to go was written in bold red letters on the television screen. What the fuck? 
she started, but couldn't finish the entire sentence. Suddenly, a robotic arm shot out of the television and grabbed her arm. Screaming, Alicia attempted to pull away. The arm held a grip so tight she couldn't escape. Slowly, she was pulled into the television, a loud crackle of static filling her ears. In a matter of minutes, Alicia was pulled through the television screen. Everything had gone black. When Alicia finally awoke, she was sitting in her comfy chair. Her cat had not moved from its spot and the television was still blank. That was a terrible, terrible dream. It was now pitch black outside. Getting up from the chair, Alicia looked towards the wall where the clock was. It read six o'clock. Shaking her head, she grabbed her phone. Maybe she could get out of the house after all. <laughs> she pulled up her text messages and began to text her friend Callie. Hey girl, are y'all still heading to the movies? I'll go with you, she typed. A minute passed and Callie simply responded with a question mark. Confused, Alicia began to respond, but before she could finish her paragraph, Callie replied, you know damn well we can't go to the movies. You all right? Alicia bit her lip and wondered if Callie was playing a trick on her. Suddenly, the television cut on. A news program flashed. Alien robots have declared civil war on humanity. <laughs> Alicia's mouth gaped open. She then noticed the date listed on the ticker below. March 19th, 2020. Alicia gasped and then everything went black. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> there's so many things I love about this. I love that she gets pulled to the TV. That feels so, there's so many like getting stuck in the video game things where I'm just like, oh, this is my favorite. The TV is a portal. Yeah. I also really love that she was like, I could go out, but leaving my house makes me feel annoyed. <laughs> yeah. And then, cause I used to be like that, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Like people were like, come into this, come to that. I'm like, you were like, ah. <laughs> no. And then what happens? March 2020, a bitch has to stay in the house. Yeah, then, then nobody can go outside. <laughs> nobody nobody can, go outside. can go outside. And you, you just like outside was just like canceled. And then you were like, damn, I did not appreciate outside as much as I should have. Exactly. I didn't know outside was going to dump me. Yeah. <laughs> Now alien robots have taken over the world and we can't leave our house. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So the moral of the story is, folks, enjoy your time with friends. <laughs> you could go to the movies. Remember the time when we could go to the movies and not have to worry about getting the plague? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Appreciate those moments. Yeah. Because you might get pulled in through your TV and go to a time where that is just not a possibility. For real, for real. <laughs> is, yeah, it really does change like all interaction. And it is it is one of these, I mean, it's historic, you know? So even when we get to the other side of it, human interaction has changed irrevocably. Like we're just, there's certain things we're just not gonna do the same way anymore. Exactly. We just aren't, it's just what it is. Like I, I already feel that, you know? Some of it is like, oh no, this thing that we figured out is, is actually better. You know, like some of it is that, some of it is like taking some best practices and then some of it is just like, 
I just don't know if I can ever do that again. <laughs> or uh, dance parties. That's the one thing that I know that I'm never, ever going to be able to feel comfortable going to again. I like mm. watching movies where there's like dance sequences and I'm mm. just like, where is everybody's mask? Why yeah. are they dancing so close? Why are they sharing drinks? I don't even know what's going on. Yeah. 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 Anything where people are sharing drinks, it's like, I don't think. I'll ever be able to do that again. (laughs) Nope. I don't think that's it. Oh my gosh. Um, Mine has no time travel. It's just set in a time. It's a period piece, which I usually don't do. Yeah. So I was like, all right, 20th century. So here we go. Right. Um, But yeah, I try to be really like go off of, you know, Val Jean's when she's communicated what steampunk how to 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 define the the subgenre and so I was like let me really try to like do this okay Uh, it has no name (laughs) it's just a thing all right so I spot his glinting eyes during the second act I make sure to shimmy a little faster than the other girls on the line so I can get and keep his attention. I notice his date sitting next to him, a striking brunette with the same affliction. A hunting party, I think to myself, and smile with the rest of the girls as we tap our way through the closing number. I make sure to take my time in the dressing room so that I'll be the last one out. Unlike the rest of the girls at the Cotton Club, I dress down instead of dressing up. I wash the makeup off my skin so it's fresh. Replace the stockings with wool pants and the glittery top with a button-down shirt and a vest to hide my blade. The finishing touch is the blazer tapered in around my waist and the heels on my feet so they remember I'm a woman. I head out the back entrance. Clack, clack, clack. Go my footsteps on the wet cement as I turn down onto a dark alley. The sharp tin sound of someone kicking a can pings behind me and I stop cold. His voice is soft, only a few feet away, and I feel the rush of blood as it races through me in anticipation. Shouldn't be out here alone, he coos. Excuse me, sir? I lay the politeness on nice and thick as I turn around like I'm startled. Even pretty Negro girls shouldn't walk home alone. He smiles, a gorgeous smile meant to be a distraction, but I know his girlfriend is creeping up behind me. I, I just want to go home, sir. I add the stammer so he doesn't suspect anything as I back up to get closer to her. She takes the bait and lunges out of the dark, fangs out, giving up her hiding spot. My blade slides down my arm holster, fast and smooth like a second skin, as I turn and cut clean through her neck I face him and he's got that look they always get they ain't never seen a contraption like my special holster because even though they strong and vicious they ain't too smart I drive my steel through his chest and take in the night air while he melts away being out here alone is exactly where I should be being out here is how I know I'm alive (laughs) i was like let me do like demon hunter in the 1920 (laughs) really cool 
that into a short movie. I've watched that. <laughs> that would be so expensive. Period pieces cost so much I money. Know. <laughs> but like, it doesn't have to be like, you know, we could just go to the thrift store and figure out like some, <laughs> some costumes. You know, there's so like there's so many period pieces that his, are historically inaccurate when it comes down to the details, but they get away with it. Mm, mm. I'm just saying. But yeah, I like that's badass. I actually like was thinking about uh, oh my gosh, what's it called? Um, why is my mind blanking? Oh my gosh, um, the like. Do you remember in 28 Days Later, Selena? Mm, yeah. With like her machete? Like, yeah. Yes, of course I do. It like, it like changed my life. Just, yeah, like, just that she's black and she lives. I, and yeah. She, and she, and she survives, but like also like she has such a sweet face. And like, if you didn't know like who, what she was about, you never would have expected her to just be like this killing machine, essentially. Yeah. Um, and yeah it's just yeah I don't know I remember that a lot I remember I remember sitting in that movie theater watching that in the movie theater watching that and Mm -hmm. you know the minute I saw the dude and her I was like okay so this is gonna be about these two dudes and then he gets the wound on his hand and she chops him up in that kitchen she's like where you sitting and then it's just like and she does it without blinking without yeah she's just like he's like screaming and she's just like you gotta die and the other one is just silly and wherever he's just sitting there like oh my god and then she just like starts to wipe her face with the (laughs) paper towel and I was like and I was like wait this movie is about these two like she lives and I just already was like I don't even know what I'm I've never seen anything like this one of my favorite final girls ever yeah yeah absolutely all of it all of the things that she was doing in that the coat the head wrap <laughs> the much head yeah. like, it was <laughs> the whole thing a look a vibe unmatched mm. also kudos to you for seeing that in theaters because I would have been terrified oh no I was very I was very excited to see it because I was like I think this might actually scare me and at the time I just felt like horror movies weren't scaring scaring me anymore I wanted Mm -hmm. to see something that really actually terrified me Mm -hmm. and I was like I was like scare me yeah I was like do it scare me I want to see if you can you can scare me because it just been so formulaic up until then absolutely absolutely and also just like the videography is like amazing I love I love grainy mm-hmm. like feelings or whatever but um with your sh- like yeah period pieces amazing but also that was like pretty gothic key or at least that's how I felt oh yeah a mixture yeah but I think that most period pieces when I like think about it are like gothic key um but like as far as like because uh, when you gave me the prompts, like steampunk, like I also was just like, what is that? Yeah. Um, but I think it's like also just like a form of black futurism. Um, in, a, in a way, it's like black futurism in the past. <laughs> like it's still steampunk, but it's just centering black people. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't know that that was a subgenre and I didn't know there's like folks who just write whole books like they just live in that space and I was like what why I'm so glad that I know this now this is gonna be my thing because steam 
like steampunk was not a genre that I ever really cared about. <laughs> like whenever I would see it, I'm like, this is the way I don't care about these like 20th century contraption. Like I just, I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. I could never get into it. And so in discovering this though, I was like, oh, this, I think it's like so many times this has happened to me where it's like, it's not that you don't like this. It's that you don't exist in it. And that's why you weren't into it. <laughs> that was, that was it. That was what it was. That was what was missing. What was missing was you. And then somebody wrote something where you exist in it. And then you're like, actually, I really like this. And it's like, okay, so you do like steampunk. You just don't like it when, the, when you don't exist in it. When you don't exist in it. I think the only thing that I could think of of like steampunk featuring a black person was that awful movie with Will Smith, The Wild Wild West. Oh my gosh. Yes. Vaguely. I just remember that it was bad. <laughs> awful i think it was will smith and selma hayek but mm. like yeah i don't think that there were any black women in that so yeah yeah you're right mm -hmm. yep, yep yep yeah yeah you know whether whatever it is and whatever the ways it is that you don't exist in it you know right. um i'm also not into like the black version or the afro-latino version or the latinx version of a white thing so I don't really count that. It's like, oh, now I exist when it's like operating on the same like values and formula and everybody's doing the same thing. Only it's like now they're shaded in. I'm like, I don't think this counts either. Right. So I was thinking about that. I was writing. It's like, well, how would this work? You know, like I never write it. I never write anything that isn't in the present or the future. So that so, it was, it was hard. You're going to write a book based on this? Because I'm... No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if it, is this going to keep going? I don't know. I did it and I didn't think it, I would be, be able to do it. And like, I had to like Google, like, did women even wear pants in this time? Like, I was like, what did a, <laughs> I literally was like 1920s black women suits. <laughs> yeah, <no> <laughs> and, sure. yeah. and I found, I found some really great pictures and I was like, okay, so I guess it would be this kind of like this, this is the outfit that I would have, you know, would be accessible to me in this time. But like real talk, like women wearing pants was like a big deal then it was a scandal <laughs> yeah you were like wait <laughs> that was like a, you were doing a lot if you were wearing pants um and so I'm like all right she's gonna do that but it's not gonna be like too much because then they're gonna be like lesbian and then they might like stone her to death or something <laughs> pitchforks and all set on yes. fire. yeah because that was also what could happen then absolutely uh, well, I, lo I loved it. I thought it was tight. Thank you. I loved yours too. Thank you. Uh, the, and the moral, I don't know what the moral of my story is. Do your thing. <laughs> Do your thing. Always Be yourself. Stay strapped, stay strapped up. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do your thing. Stay ready. <laughs> that's, that's the moral of my story. Do your thing. Stay ready. Um. Yeah you never know yeah I also just wanted to write a story of a girl walking home alone at night and it's like on purpose absolutely and it's great and she's never in she's never in danger because I do love anybody that does that imagine a future where we can actually walk outside at nighttime and not have to feel fear because that's also mm. something that like seems to be purely fiction because I feel like every woman at some point feels 
uh, a little wary about walking anywhere by themselves at nighttime. Two films that really played or like twisted that up for me is A Girl Walks Home at Night, mm-hmm. right? So you mm-hmm. think that of her, but she's the vampire. And I love yeah. that. Yeah. Like she's the thing that's like, <laughs> no, 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 you're in danger. And then um, Kandisha. I've never seen know. that. Kandisha's on Shutter. Mm-hmm. And it is, I want to say she's, it's like an Iranian. Okay. Like a demon, you know, it's, it's our urban legend, mm-hmm. uh, but it's taking place in somewhere in France or like in the outskirts of Paris or something like this. I don't even know if they're in Paris, but I know it's in French. So okay. it's like, you know, North African and oh. like West African peoples in France. <laughs> Yeah, like they like they're French, but it's like people of color in France. And they she's a you would actually dig this because she is a vengeance demon. Demon is not really the right word. She is a vengeance spirit. Yeah. Maybe this is a better word. Looked it up. It's like the avenging creature of a Moroccan legend. Moroccan. There we go. I'm I got it all wrong. I'm sorry. It was Moroccan, y'all. My bad, y'all. Um but yeah, and it that is the only like feminist slasher film I've ever seen. Oh, okay. I, and I because I just feel like slashers are inherently misogynist, like they just kind of have to be. That's how this that's how the genre works. <laughs> because it's about killing women. <laughs> it's about something, usually male, hunting and killing me- mostly women, and then maybe like men that are around them. And you have to have a final girl. Like it's just like <laughs> Of course, it's about violence against women, and this is actually about violence against men. And it, the film, does this thing where, by the middle of it, I'm afraid for men walking home at night. Right. Like one of the characters is like, "I have to go here," and the and the girls are like, "Are you crazy? Right. You can't go. You can't go out there by yourself at night." And it was the first time I'd ever like seen that in a movie and like believed it. I was like, "He can't go outside." <laughs> he can't do that what is he thinking walking out there dressed like that <laughs> with his with his man titties exposed oh my god um <laughs> yeah he's like look, look, at, look at him in his little tight body out no he can't go out there she gonna get him and like <laughs> and it's crazy because you you then start to kind of like it's the only film that I've seen that's like done that effectively and it also kind of like wasn't like the point you know it's not like they're like trying to make a statement but they did and I was like huh this is good on you for doing this um and it has me you know it got me thinking about things but like yeah you're right I sometimes women walk home at night and things and I don't even question that it's a dangerous scene like I feel like movies or storytellers rely on the fact that like oh you know that she's in danger right because woman yes because she's female and she's outside (laughs) outside my own business but she's in danger um yeah I think that like uh inspiration for my story came from two movies as well and that would be brain scan and await further instructions um I don't know if I've seen these two are these like like video like horror you know like things where it's about tech and horror yeah so await further instructions is like this british like uh horror movie where like this family is getting together for christmas and like this white boy brings home his southeast asian girlfriend and his family is totally fucking racist um, <laughs> and, 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 
everybody's worst nightmare, especially for his girlfriend, they end up getting uh, um, trapped in the house. Oh and no, the, I feel for uh, her. <laughs> yeah, it's actually really fucked up. Um, and and um, they assume that there's like a national emergency because the television keeps giving them instructions as to what to do and that like they have to do like all these things. And it's really, it's really weird. Um, but you should check that movie out. Um, mm. And then Brain Scan is a movie with um, Edward Furlong. It was made in 1994. Mm. Um, and it's, I guess it's like a slasher somewhat, but it's about this kid who like, you know, is like isolated. He just like stays in his room and like plays video games and like whatever else. And then he meets like this weird like demon-esque creature like in the computer. And like somehow he like, like ends up killing people uh he has like these dreams or whatever um where like he acts like a psychopathic murderer <laughs> the game host is like controlling his body and he's actually like murdering people and like the guy like the the game host is like this weird goblin like creature or whatever but it's 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 bizarre you should totally watch it it's made in 1994 and it's it's corny it's corny as fuck mm. but like i just love like anything that's like you know especially because like the pandemic forced us to become more virtual and like mm. to interact and like have the internet solely as like our social source um i thought that it would be fun to like try to like make that a bit scarier because we were consumed by so much screen time yeah um yeah, and what is that doing? What has that done to us? And what is that what doing? What has that done to us? And like, even just like with her, like not wanting to go and hang out with friends because the TV was like her best friend, but then yeah, transporting her like from 2014 to 2020, where things had just gotten significantly worse. Yeah. Um, like, is it really our friends? Like, is this actually healthy? Like, should we be doing more things with like you know people? Like, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much where the inspiration came from. Yeah, that and Valjean. Like you've got time travel in yours. Mm -hmm. um, I have like gadgets in the 1920s in mine. Steampunk is hard to write. <laughs> it is. And also like, what a genius to also use historically accurate events. Like, yeah, you know, you do that. Like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm at baby stages right now but you know yeah so does this mean that now that i'm thinking about it so love cat lovecraft country is steampunk oh, yeah. isn't it you know that's what it is i think so right yeah. like i'm thinking about it and i'm like i didn't read the book uh, apologies to everyone listening i didn't read the book but i did watch the show and i yeah. you know when i was watching it i was like trying to place it like it just felt like so many different genres that I love like it was doing so many shout outs to so many things and I mean I, I enjoyed every single episode of that everything that they were doing I was like I just felt like she was like I'm gonna show you all the things that I can do um but now that I have you know read this story and learned more about this subgenre I'm like oh actually I think what all I was watching that entire time was steampunk and it's just that it's people don't like I didn't have the language both like the literary language and the visual language, the aesthetic yeah. language to recognize what it was that I was looking at. Yeah, absolutely. And um, how much is lost so many times when people just like, we just don't have the, the language. So we don't know how to talk about it or what it is. I mean, I, everybody, you know, people love that show, but like, it didn't come back. 
I'm just going to refer to it as steampunk because I respond <laughs> with C. Lovecraft because he was a fucking eugenicist piece of shit. So. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and also it wasn't that. Like that show really addressed like the, the fallacies in his genre. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm like, well, it wasn't, it wasn't an, an, an HP Lovecraftian. It wasn't that. It was something else. And I'm like, I think it was steampunk. We're just going to unanimously agree. Yeah, yeah. Is- this is what we're saying, everyone. You heard it here. Lovecraft Country is a steampunk. It's probably written somewhere already and I'm just like late to the party and I apologize to anybody who already knew this, <laughs> that I'm how, late. How she knew. Yeah, she knew, clearly. Um, okay, so we're coming up on our hour here. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate you coming on, listening to the show, talking to me, spending some time with me on a Saturday. <laughs> this was really fun. Um, I loved your travel. And you do a lot of writing. So is there any place that we, we should know about where you've got like some, some articles or something coming out? Um, well, I'm an editor-in-chief for Cinespeak. So if you head over to cinespeak.org, uh, you can check out some of the articles that we've recently published. Um, I've actually taken a break from writing anything just because mm. to like replenish myself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, so really my job is just to like make sure that like we're getting like some decent quality film reviews and film analysis out there into the world. So you should check out Cinespeak, definitely. All right. Thank you for tuning in to Black Women Are Scary. If you'd like to support scary Black women, please leave a rate and review. Or have a listen to our special interview with our featured author of the month, Val Jean Jeffers, airing Friday, February 25th. Till next time.